Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is Katie Cronkite. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. This is going to be an interesting topic. I, I don't know that we've ever done a deep dive on this specifically, but how can better writing, particularly the technical writing, and don't get too hung up on the word technical, but what, what's referred to as technical writing, which can include training content, customer support documents, and even perhaps consumer product instructions. So how does that technical writing that we rely on internally and in communicating and supporting our customers or clients, how can it help us improve the productivity and customer experiences of our small business? And as a result, obviously, our, our profitability. So Katie is with me today to share her entrepreneur journey, a very interesting journey, how she got to where she is today, and then tips and advice on how to how better writing means better service. So we're going to take that angle on it, what I'm calling better writing, better service for small business. To receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, and how you can continue to support my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Let me tell you a little bit more about Katie, and then we'll get into it. Katie Cronkite is the founder and CEO of Good Works LLC. Good words, I should have said, I think I said good words. Good words LLC uh, is an elite technical communications firm based in the Seattle, Washington area. Katie's passionate about the, as she says, the intersection of communication and technology. And so at Good Words, her and her team specialize in producing, editing, and delivering the highest quality communications content for their clients. From Fortune 500 companies to small businesses and startups like ours, and they've produced it all from user interface text to uh, instructional videos to uh, developer guides for new programming languages. Katie is an alumna of Carnegie Mellon University, where she received her degree in technical writing and communication. And when she's not running her company, you can find her apparently at the gym in her garden and writing for personal projects, of course, and advocating for rural and labor policy reform. Katie lives in the Seattle, Washington area. Once again, Katie Cronkite, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Exciting stuff. So, um, First, I want to start with your journey. Uh, you studied technical writing, which is not common, I don't think. In fact, yeah, I, I think you would be the first to tell me that there aren't too many universities that even offer that as a degree, right? It's true. There are not too many. There, there are more and more. It's There's becoming more it, yeah. a, more, a more popular field to go into. But yeah, it's, it's a fairly niche market. Um, so there are only a few universities and certification programs that offer offer training and technical writing right now. Because I, I know what a lot of people, myself included, might have thought, I think I want to be a writer. I want to write novels or I want to write that. But not too many people think I want to be a technical writer. When did that emerge for you? Well, that's funny. That's actually somewhat similar to my own journey. So I've been writing and I love writing. Um, and I've been writing since I was a little kid. So since I, since I learned to read when I was four or five years old, I've been writing little stories and and just sort of processing the world around me by by writing. And uh, as you said, in, in my intro, I went to Carnegie Mellon University for my undergraduate education. And I tried really hard 
to major in anything except for <laughs> writing. Um, so I, I was still very interested in writing and I was actually in a program, a dual program for the humanities and the sciences. And so writing was my humanities concentration because I always loved it. And I, I just really enjoyed um, doing the writing in, in various, various ways from poetry to journalism and, and things like that. And I was also um, taking a lot of science, math, and engineering classes um, as, as the second uh, part of my education there. And, and I, um, you know, so you're asked why, how I got into technical writing. Well, I had a crisis of self uh, around my junior year of college where I realized I was eventually going to need a job. And I <laughs> felt like I I felt like I had these two very disparate skill sets and I wasn't sure how to marry them. So on one side, I, I had all of this writing experience and I had worked in several different writing environments, everything from creative writing to marketing to journalism, as I said. Um, and I had all of this technology and STEM experience on the other side. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be unemployed. I have these two skill sets <laughs> that I don't know how to marry. And so I, um, I did some existential Googling to figure out what I could do with these two skill sets. And um, I actually found that there was a career path uh, for, for technical writing. So for writing about technology and about very technical uh, topics and products and, and ideas. And that really appealed to me. You know, I, I didn't want to be an engineer. I didn't want to be in the sciences for my whole career. Um, but I did also didn't want to give up my engagement with, with technology and learning new things and, and being in these very technical fields. So it ended up being a perfect fit for me. Carnegie Mellon actually ended up having a technical writing major. Right, that was um, perfect here. Yeah. It was, it was very fortuitous. Yep. Um, and um, speaking of, you know, technical writing being a very, a very niche kind of area of study, I was actually the only person in my uh, entire graduating class who majored in technical writing that wow. year. So, but I'm very glad to have found it and it's been a great fit for me. Yeah, no doubt. So then after you graduated with this concentration, what did you go do? So uh, early in my career, my, my first roles were as a full-time technical writer uh, at high tech companies in Silicon Valley. So okay. right after I graduated, I got my first job um, on a large technical writing team actually at Salesforce in San Francisco. Um, so that was my first job. And from there I went on to, to work in uh, other enterprise high tech, mostly software environments, but I also worked in aerospace and, and hardware as well for a while um, as a technical writer from, you know, and I worked on huge teams of writers from with 200 people down to being the, the sole technical writer at, you know, startups with fewer than 50 employees. Mm -hmm. What's so challenging, uh, having done a little bit of it, because I also have a technical background. I started as a computer mm -hmm. programmer and, and so having to document my own systems and so forth. The challenge with that, this kind of writing that you learned and developed early is that when you write other type of stuff, you write for yourself or maybe for an audience that's, you know, that'll pick your stuff. But here you have to write such that the targeted audience, in that case, for a piece of software, understands it and can learn from it and can follow it, right? So you have to adjust mm -hmm. your, your tone and I suppose even your vocabulary to fit that particular audience, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, you need to be able to 
write to people who write to and for people who don't necessarily have the intimate knowledge of the product that you have. So you have to be able to educate them uh, about what their product, about what your product does and how they can use it. But you also need to keep that user in mind. What is the user trying to achieve by engaging with you, your service, your product? Um, and what are, what are they trying to learn and what do they need to do to get on with their day? Nobody wants to read a user manual. Nobody comes to technical documentation and is like, oh, yay, I get to read the docs today. <laughs> you know, everybody is trying to get in there, get out as soon as possible and accomplish what they need to. So it, it definitely takes a different mindset um, to write in this way than, than you would write, say, an article in a newspaper or a, um, you know, a piece of creative work or something like that. But that's why I think it's so brilliantly, and I love how you've married, hence how this approach to writing is such a perfect fit for a business because I should have my target avatar, my ideal client or user mm -hmm. in mind. When I write anything from copy to an instruction manual on how to, or instructions on how to use my product or service, it's the same thing because really what you've shared there is uh, one of the fundamentals of sales. I have to communicate how what I have solves their problem or their need at that point in time as they interact with my service or product. Absolutely. And, and if that's a message that I could sing from the hilltops is that good writing and good technical writing should actually support your sales efforts. So you should be able to use your documentation and your writing in your company as a way to close more deals. And, and you know, we've worked with several small businesses, particularly uh, in the past, um, where they've come to us uh, to talk about documentation and technical writing because they've lost a big deal to a competitor because their competitors had better documentation than they did. Interesting. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's definitely something that I think is an overlooked aspect of writing within businesses. But once you lose your dream client because they went with someone with better documentation, you'll that's a mistake most people don't make twice. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, going back to your journey, what leads you then to starting your own business? Is it something you always wanted to do or tell us about how you arrived at that point? No, absolutely not. I think if you'd asked me 10 years ago if I was going to be an entrepreneur, own my own business, I would have told you that you were crazy and that I had no interest in doing any such thing. Um, but the way I got started in my business was... Uh, it, at the last full-time job that I had, I was the sole technical writer at a startup in Silicon Valley. And uh, unfortunately, that startup started to go the way of the startup, if you will. Um, the, they were running out of money. There had been a couple of rounds of layoffs and, and it wasn't looking good for them, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really started to think about, okay, well, what's, what's my next step here? Um, and when I kind of looked at the job market, I was looking for other technical writing roles and I, I saw a lot of what I had already done. I, there were a lot of opportunities to join a large company, a large writing team, you know, at an enterprise company, or there were opportunities to be the sole technical writer at, at another startup, but there, there wasn't much in between and there wasn't much that looked new or interesting to me. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll try freelancing. Maybe I'll try consulting for a little while and just see how that goes. And I, I really didn't know if I was going to like it or not. 
Um, but I didn't really have any better ideas. So, so I decided to try a couple of freelance projects and just see how they went. Uh, and I loved it. I loved working on a consulting basis and, and being able to choose my clients and engage with new and interesting technology in, in those roles. So I just kept doing it. And eventually I kept doing it until I had too many clients and I had too many projects on my plate. And my, my choice was either to leave those projects on the table and walk away from them because I couldn't handle them or to expand my team and try to, you know, see if I could hire someone to help me with, with some of those projects. And I decided to hire my first couple of employees at that point and just like I said, just kind of see how it went, see if I enjoyed managing other writers and, and kind of growing the business in that way. And lucky for me, I loved that as well. And it has grown and grown and grown since then. So now uh, I'm no longer doing my own writing. I'm just running the business and helping to support an awesome team of, of technical writers and marketing writers uh, who support our fabulous clients. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. When how long a period of time from when you when you took that first freelance gig to I, I have more business than I can handle? What time frame are we talking about there? It was about it wasn't too long, actually. It was a year and a half to two years, I would say, from when I first got started with my first part time 10 hours a week tech writing project to having way more work than I could handle. Yeah. And when you think back to those early days of making that transition, what were you most scared of? I was, I think I had, I was most scared of just not having much information to go off of. It really felt like I was taking a leap, you know, kind of into the abyss. There's not, there, there is information online. If you search around for how to start your own business or how to, how to hire employees, but there's, I mean, there is not a user manual for how to start a business or how to start growing your, your idea or your enterprise. And so I really had to just kind of figure it out on my own. And of course, you know, uh, I, I got a lot of the, the same kind of fear mongering feedback from my friends and family that I think a lot of people hear when they decide to, to start their own business, you know, people were like, what are you going to do about insurance? Or you're going to have to incorporate. And that's so complicated. And, you know, so I, I'm really glad I didn't listen to those people necessarily. Um, there, why did you, know, you not, why did that not derail you? Because that's all you had ever yeah. done before. And it's not like you came to it with this lifelong aspiration of being your own boss. So why did you, why were you so determined? Yeah. Well, one of my personal mottos in life is if a lesser person has done it, then I can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has done it, then I can probably do it too. So, you know, there are lots of small businesses out there. There are lots of other agencies out there that exist. So I thought, well, Hey, somebody else figured it out. I think I can probably do it too. And I also felt pretty safe in, in beginning my entrepreneurial journey because I thought, you know, the worst case scenario is that I'm terrible at this. And I just go back to a full-time job that I know I will enjoy anyway, because I, I always liked being a writer and, and kind of being in this line of work. So the, the consolation prize was that I could just go back into a career that I knew I enjoyed. So it, it always felt pretty safe for me to take that kind of a risk. Yeah. That, that's a wonderful way to look at it. that's, that's a precisely the question, Katie, that I ask people 
when they're battling with that fear of making a transition is what's the worst case scenario. And it's, and it's not a rhetorical question. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if what you're about to do, if it fails, it ruins you financially and there's no college fund for the kids and you got to sell the house. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> not good. But for right. most people, it's exactly what you articulated, which is, well, I'll have to lick my wounds and maybe my pride, but I'll go get another job. Right. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's start to dive into it. Define, we've been touching on it, but what what is technical writing? So technical writing, the way I see it, is writing within a business that helps to educate or improve operations uh, in some kind of aspect of your business. Uh, Technical writing is educational. It describes and educates your audience about what your product or service is, how they engage with it, what they need to do to achieve their goals and things like that. So it's, it's very process-oriented, uh, very task-oriented writing that helps an audience learn something specific or achieve a specific goal. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, as you've already mentioned, it cannot lose sight of the fact that you're still selling. You're still selling the benefit of this thing that you're documenting. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I always encourage our clients to think about how they can use every aspect of their communications in their business as an opportunity to engage with their marketplace. And documentation is a huge way to do that. Uh, Documentation and other forms of technical writing. So that might be a really great white paper that describes how your product works and how it's different or, or what ideas you're working with that you can, you know, send to prospects and clients. Um, it might be, you know, literal user guides or how to manuals for once you make that sale, or if someone is deciding whether or not to purchase your product, they can see how it's going to work and they can see if it's going to be difficult and complicated, or if it's going to be easy and seamless Um, And then it can, it can kind of help them make those decisions. So I, I always, we, I think, you know, technical writing documentation, whether internal or external facing is, is not always the sexiest part of any business, right? (laughs) No one is excited about writing the docs. No one is looking forward to that budget item uh, in, in their budget every year of having to put together the documentation. But I always like to help people reframe that and think about how can you see this as an opportunity to deliver an awesome experience to your customer and help them become even bigger fans of yours. Right. And in part, and what I meant and what we're talking about with the selling is it's about helping them realize the benefit that mm-hmm. uh, they can fully realize by using our product or service. If, if we talk about, you know, your technical background and mine, I can't remember what the stat was, but the our software mm-hmm. that, that we sell and sold back then, end users would end up using a percentage of the functionality, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of that was because they didn't know that functionality was there to help them do their jobs better. And so that's part of what you have to try to do through technical writing. Is that fair? That is absolutely fair. And that's a really common experience we see all the time is, you know, you might have the best product in the marketplace for what you do, but if you put a sandbox in front of your customer and they don't know what to do with it and they don't know the problems that it can solve for them and they don't know how to set it up so that they can solve their problems, then, then it's functionally useless to them. So 
Um, and that's where, you know, good writing, good communications, handholding them through those early days of that experience can really make the difference between someone signing up for a free trial version of your product and playing around for a couple of hours or them signing up for a year long subscription and becoming a lifelong customer. Yep. Yep. Or, or even if we're talking about physical products, I may not have known that I could use it in a certain way to the sandbox analogy or that I, there also has this other thing that flips out and does this other thing that, that might solve another problem for me. So totally. the, the better I explain that, the more value they get. And then back to your, your example of where I could potentially lose a deal. Uh, often people might choose to go off of my product or buy something else because they didn't know it has the feature that they were looking for. It's there. You just didn't know about it. Right, right. Or, you know, I mean, some very sophisticated customers and clients require that uh, they're require that the products that they use have documentation before their company will even allow them to use it. Right. Um, you know, that's that's uh, a very sophisticated customer, but those customers do exist. And we have definitely seen that uh, in, in our experience with some of our clients. All right, let's let's shift this now. We've been touching on it, but let's shift it to how it impacts customer service and how mm-hmm. good technical writing impacts customer service. So, so share with me some some thoughts on that. Absolutely. So technical writing is should be your first line of defense when your customer has a question or a problem they need to resolve. So your customer goes to your documentation or to a wiki or a user guide to answer a question. You know, they, they're usually trying to accomplish something and they can't figure out how to do it. So they need to figure out a way to solve that problem. The cheapest and most operationally efficient way to do that is to help your customer help themselves. So documentation is a great way to do that. If they can go to a public facing documentation site, Google or search for uh, the question that they have and see an answer right there. That is the quickest route to helping that customer solve that problem, as opposed to, you know, having that customer search around, get frustrated, not find the answer that they want, and then pick up the phone and call your customer support personnel. Um, There was a a really interesting report that I read. This was a couple of years ago now. So these numbers might have changed, but at the time, um, the stat was that the average customer service call, depending on your business, uh, costs your company anywhere from 50 to $500 per call. Wow. Um, and so let's imagine that if you have, let's say for the sake of argument, you have a software product and all of your customers have the same question. They're getting snagged on one part of the setup process and there's no documentation to support it. If every single one of your customers calls your customer support line, imagine how much money you're spending on that one problem. And If you can write one or two topics, put those on a customer-facing documentation website, if they can search for that solution and find it themselves, you're going to save an incredible amount of money and an incredible amount of personnel time just just by doing that one thing. And there's also the intangible cost, Katie, of the impact on the perception about my business, the impact on the brand, right? That is hard to put a number to. Absolutely. Nobody wants to pick up the phone and call customer service either. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if they they want customers want the most efficient way to solve any problem, it would be great if the problem never presented itself in the first place. But if you have a problem, you want to give your customers the most accessible means to solve it. And often documentation is that solution. So as you were describing that, the thing that popped into my head is uh, I might search YouTube for a video. And Mm -hmm. so that, well, that's not writing, but it is right. Because an effective video has to have first been scripted so that I cover it in a certain way. So at the start of it, there was writing, correct? A hundred percent. Yeah. And actually some of the work that we've done for some of our clients is writing scripts for instructional videos. Some We don't necessarily recommend a video first documentation strategy, but sometimes if you have a problem that your customers are hitting over and over and over again, it can often be a super cost-effective way to help your customers through those those rapids in the river, if you will, by by giving them a really well-placed and well-produced and thought out instruction. Especially when it comes to physical things, right? Like how do I put this thing together that I just bought from you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, giving people the, a visual is often, is often really helpful. I think it's one of the reasons, for example, when I buy something from Ikea, that's flat packed, (laughs) their instructions are pretty darn good in that there's very few words, but it's visuals. Now, Mm-hmm. You may not think that's technical writing, but that is an example of creating instructions that people can execute on to build this physical thing, right? Totally. And how how often, I mean, I know from my own life that anytime I need to figure out how to do something, whether it's online, whether it's with a software product or a physical product or fixing something in my house, what do I do? I search for it. And if there's a video that's going to show me what to do, then, then I very likely we'll use that yeah. and watch a three minute video and find my answer. It, it points also back to the, the, the point you were making that I see as a mistake that we can make with technical writing or support type writing is that we write it such that it becomes so long and tedious that no mm-hmm. one's going to read it. Right. Oh yes. That is definitely a huge problem that we see, particularly with small business and, and startup clients of ours is that, you know, uh, a lot of companies, particularly small businesses and startups think that the best person in their company to write the documentation is the person who built the product. And usually that's an engineer, an engineer, um, a developer or something like that. Right. A very, a very specialized technical Mm -hmm. person. And I always caution our clients to, to think about that long and hard before before they actually start doing that for a few reasons. The first is that your developers and your engineers have a very different relationship with your product than your customer is going to have. Your engineers built the thing. They know everything about it. It's their baby. So we often see a lot of documentation from from these companies where the an engineer or multiple engineers have written the documentation and it reads like a love letter to the <laughs> backend structure of the product that users don't care about. Right. You know, it's it in in those cases the documentation is usually not well written because engineers aren't writers, they aren't trained to do that. Um it's usually way more detailed than anybody needs uh information about and it usually doesn't cover the actual goals that the user has. So, um, 
And in addition to that, when your engineers or your very technical employees are, are spending time writing that documentation, that's that's not a good use of their time and it's not a good use of your company's money yeah, for this yeah. reason. Engineers are revenue generating employees. They are there to build the products that you sell to your customer. And if you task them with spending four hours a week writing documentation, number one, they're not trained to write that documentation. So it's probably not going to be very good and you're probably going to have to rewrite it someday. Um, but the second part of that is that your company is losing revenue generation potential because you're taking away that time from these highly specialized, highly paid revenue generating employees that yeah, they so could spend an opportunity cost there. No there's doubt. a huge opportunity cost that I think really is underestimated, mm -hmm. uh, especially in small businesses. And plus, and plus most of them hate it. I was an exception, but yes. most developers and engineers hate that part of it. They mostly hate it. So they won't do it or they'll put it off. Or when they do get around to it, they'll just kind of throw some stuff throw in there. Good. And then the other then, thing, as you pointed out, is they they've been living this for however long, so they know it. They don't know what they what someone else would look at when they first experience right. it. They, they they just don't have that perspective. Absolutely, and a great writer, particularly a great technical writer, doesn't just sit in a corner and write stuff. They actually participate in the product development lifecycle. They test the product constantly. So they, they sort of become a, an extension of the QA team at times. Um, and their, their role is to act as a user advocate. So to really look at the product and look at your services from a customer's perspective and start asking questions like, how, how, do, how would a customer actually use this? If I were a brand new customer and I arrived at this screen, or if I opened this box and had to put this thing together, what would I actually do? Not what should I do, but what would I do if faced with that, that reality? And a great technical writer or writer in general acts as your customer and user advocate to, to bring that reality into the product development lifecycle and really advocate for, for what the user needs. All right. So what do I do as a small business owner? Do I, is the only realistic option to hire this out or I'm thinking I, I'd rather maybe if I can't afford that, I don't want to do that. I, I would rather have maybe my marketing person do some of this, but mm. where, where do I go? What are your thoughts? Interesting. So there are a couple of things there. I want to speak to the marketing question first. We see that a lot with small businesses. They're like, oh, we've got our marketing team. They'll write it. They can write stuff. They can write our documentation. And sometimes that's a that's an okay solution for a while. Uh, what I would say about that is it's similar to the engineering problem. Your marketing team uh, and marketing writing ultimately has a different goal than technical writing does. Marketers and marketing writing, the goal of that is to sell your product, to make it appealing and attractive to your customers. It's a revenue generating function in your business. Whereas technical writing really serves your customer once they've start once the sale is done and once uh they're kind of on that journey with you and the goal of technical writing is not i mean you can definitely use it as a sales tool as we sure, as, as we, we described talked. earlier but the ultimate goal of technical writing is really to make your cust your existing customer feel safe and cared for and make sure that they're accomplishing the goals that they have and right. they're 
as we mentioned earlier, you know, there aren't a ton of technical writing training programs out there, but technical writing is a very specific discipline of writing with certain industry standards and certain best practices that most general writers or marketing writers aren't going to know. You can certainly start there with someone on your team who does writing to, to kind of get, get your feet wet with technical writing and see what you can accomplish with that. Somebody, um, but at least it'd be a step into somebody other than the person who developed the product. Yes, that is true. That is true. I would absolutely recommend that it's someone other than who is developing the product uh, or who is on your product teams uh, do the at least your first pass at the technical writing it for for your products. Um, and then uh, another another thing I always recommend to small businesses is document the document the eighty percent. Document your customers' main goals, main problems, um, the things that most of your customers are dealing with. So sometimes what we see with small businesses or with companies that are new to technical writing and have never done it before is they document everything in the kitchen sink. They put every edge case in their documentation and they think that more is better. Mm. They think that as the more you write, the more detail, the more information that you give to your customer, the better your documentation is going to be because they can find everything there. But what functionally happens in that case is that your documentation becomes really tedious and overwhelming and really difficult to maintain. Yeah. So, you know, your, your customers will go to your documentation and start looking for an answer to a question and they'll get mired in some edge case details that they don't, they don't even need to know about, or maybe they're not even encountering. Um, so what I always recommend is, you know, keep it simple. Document your major use cases, document the things that most of your customers are doing and that most of your customers are going to have questions about. And then your documentation will be much more streamlined, much easier to maintain. And it seems to me that then over time, as you start getting, like you said, as I'd identify trends and support, Mm -hmm. Then that tells you, okay, that area, we need to either flesh it out or create an FAQ or, or whatever, but that tells me then where I need to add to it. Absolutely. And, and monitoring analytics on your customer support calls and, and tickets, you know, what are your customers constantly asking you about? Right. If you can, if you can point to those topics, you can write some really effective, efficient documentation that addresses those and should significantly reduce your support costs. All right, just to, to summarize as we start to wrap it up on how technical writing, this type of writing that we have been chatting about that Katie has been explaining from a service perspective, we touched on reducing those demands on your business from a support perspective, whether those are calls mm -hmm. or visits back to your store because they can't use this thing or they're confused. That leads to then that, that dissatisfaction with the overall brand. Uh, it could help with minimizing then product returns themselves. So people return something because mm -hmm. they may not have even been able to figure out how to put it together or how to use it, right? Or Definitely. they may not have been able to know how to apply it to solve their real problem. And so they think it's it's not functional. Yeah. Yes, that's absolutely true. So uh, and then that so that leads to frustrated and dissatisfied customers. And that's at the root of how. When you don't do this right, when you do it poorly, it impacts your customer service and your business. Definitely. Yes. If I'm, if I'm going to then 
I'm ready to take the step to find a technical writer outside of my company. I mean, they're going to bring in someone mm -hmm. like you or hire a freelancer. Give me a couple of things to look for to, to help me find out, because that for most of us, a small business owner, it's not a position we've ever hired for. Definitely. So that is a great question. And I would, my advice here is to specifically recruit for and look for someone with technical writer experience, specifically that phrase, technical writer, technical writing. Like I said uh, a couple of minutes ago, you know, technical writing is a very niche market, mm -hmm. but there are industry standards and best practices that technical writers know that other writers who aren't familiar with this discipline probably don't. So you're going to get a much better result from someone who has actual experience in technical writing, as opposed to creative writing or even marketing writing or journalism or something like that. You know, so, sometimes our clients look for just writers. They're like, oh, this person speaks English. They write pretty well. <laughs> or they've, so they've been doing copywriting, so that must qualify them. They, yeah, they've, they they've wrote done, a novel, so that qualifies them. Yes. Yes. And, and sometimes that goes okay. Um, but most of the time you're going to get a much more predictable and better result. If you look for someone specifically with tech writing skills and experience. Yeah. So that, that is something that I absolutely look for. And then the, the next uh, piece of advice I always give is look ask for and look for technical writing samples absolutely. from those candidates. So, you know, ask for two to three technical writing samples that they have actually written and put together and then read them. And when you read them, think about, you know, do I understand what's going on here? Would I be able to follow this document and solve a problem? And if the answer is yes, you probably have a pretty good candidate on your hands. If the answer is no, then you need to keep looking. Absolutely. Great, great points. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell us, uh, summarize for us uh, more about the services that you do offer through Good Words. Absolutely. So Good Words is a technical writing and technical communications consulting firm. And we have a staff of consultants who work on technical and technical technical writing and technical uh, content marketing projects for our clients. And our clients range from, you know, huge Fortune 500 companies down to five-person startups. So we've we've worked with We've worked with a whole range of, of clients on, on these issues, and we love helping our clients solve problems with documentation and take away the burden of documentation off of your organization. So we love uh, creating long, you know, really supportive relationships with our clients, whether we work with them on one small deliverable, or if we're engaged with them for, you know, years at a time. Um, we, we love sort of educating our clients about how technical writing can help them help their customers and help grow and scale their business, uh, and support them, you know, today into the long term. And then, uh, so if, if they want to learn more, I think uh, you offer a free consultation, right? Yes, absolutely. We would love to, uh, we offer free up to an hour consultation with, with small businesses. I mean, even if you're not ready to uh, hire a technical writer or not sure what you, what you need, those are some of our favorite calls. We love to hear about what, what different 
uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses are working on and then offer our experience shares and advice about how they can start thinking about writing in their organization and what are the next small steps that they can take to improve it so that they can grow and scale their business effectively. And where do I go to, uh, to find the link to schedule that call? So I can actually provide a direct uh, calendar link if you like, if you'd okay. like to send that out to your listeners, um, or you can get in touch with us through our website at uh, goodwordswriting.com. There's Wonderful. a contact form there. All right. So we'll have that link to your website. Also the link to the calendar. We'll have that on the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com, or again, go directly to the goodwordswriting.com website for more awesome. information. Katie, uh, always looking for a book recommendation. Is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend, not just on this topic, but just in general on business? Sure. Yeah. I mean, also as a, I am, I am also your listener as a small business owner and entrepreneur. Um, and one of the resources that has made the biggest difference for us in, in running our business uh, has been the book Traction by Gina Wickman. So, um, and the thing that we love about it at Good Words is that it gives documentation and a process and a framework for how to run every facet of our business and grow and scale it. Uh, and it's, it's made a huge difference for us in the last couple of years. Yeah. It's a, it's a great book and the whole EOS uh, framework or methodology or operating system is what it stands for in part is a, is great stuff. I had the, the privilege of having Gina Wickman on my show. So if anybody is interested in learning more about his work, just go to the howabusiness.com and search for Gino Wickman mm -hmm. and his episode will come up. Definitely. And as I, as I said earlier, you know, there, when I was starting my business there, there wasn't much of a, a user guide for how to start a business, but I would say traction is about as close as I've come to finding a, a user guide for running an existing one. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. All right. What's Katie, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had about how better writing can help us improve our service to our customers or clients? Sure thing. Uh, the thing I always encourage people to think about is kind of reframe how they think about writing. I think a lot of uh, businesses and organizations think about writing as a burden or something that they have to do that they're neglecting or that, as you said, the engineers hate and nobody wants to dedicate time to it. And I, my mission on this earth in this arena is to help people think about writing as an opportunity, as a way to, you know, communicate with and connect with your, with your clients and your customers and make your business more amazing and more interesting and awesome to your prospects and customers. So instead of seeing writing, particularly technical writing as boring or a uh, burden or a cost to the business, think about how you can use it to take your business to the next level and think about how you can get excited about it and how it can help turn your customers into super fans of yours. Yeah. And when you look at it from that perspective, it really does change how I look at this thing that, that typically is uh, at best an aftermath or yeah, something we have to get done or I'll trudge through it and crank mm -hmm. something out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also we know, you know, 
you and I know, I mean, I started my career in programming in the 80s. And so the, the days of this thick volumes of manuals that sit on the shelf, those days are long gone for mm -hmm. all kinds of good reasons. That's just not <laughs> the way that people consume information anymore. Thank and goodness. So, yeah, thank goodness. Exactly. Uh, and so that's that's part of what comes into play as well. But it's when you look at it, as you've shared through that lens as a business owner of how it benefits me to the bottom line because of the improved service that I can deliver, the improved benefits that my customers or clients will realize from the product or service that I have sold them, that that's a win-win for everybody. A hundred percent. And the phrase I like to use is that documentation and writing democratize information. Mm, so it, it takes this super technical dry material that maybe only a few people in the world know and distills it down so that huge audiences can understand it and engage with it and, and can kind of share in that knowledge with you. Well said, tell us where you want us to go online again to learn more. Sure. You can find us at www.goodwordswriting.com. And you can always connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Katie, insightful conversation. Thanks for taking the time to be with me today and sharing your knowledge. It was a great conversation. Likewise, Henry. Thank you so much for having me. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Katie Cronkite. I release new episodes every Monday morning. And you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.